this morning, change your words, change your world. Alternatively, what do you believe? Had a conversation with Pastor Jerry this week. Wasn't sure exactly where I wanted to go today, and we started talking, and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I had in mind. So here we go. Mark chapter 11, 22 to 24. It says, have faith in God. Some translations say, have the faith of God. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Pastor taught a great message last week on faith. If you missed it, or even if you didn't, I encourage you to go back and listen to it again. And at one point, he read this passage and he says, we don't receive because sometimes we speak, but we don't believe. And sometimes we believe, but we don't speak. So today I'd like to elaborate on we speak, but we don't believe. What does it mean to speak and not believe? This is how I see it. We've listened to the word being taught. We've nodded in agreement. We've boldly declared our amens at the right time. We know all the routines and all the right things to say. We're like the cattle going into the barn. We know exactly which stall we're supposed to be in. Every now and then you get one that doesn't want to be where they belong. And sometimes that one's in the mirror. Right? Anyone else? I'm not the only one. Good. We give mental assent to what we hear, and we retain the right confession in our minds, but that's often where it stops, unfortunately. We have head knowledge, but not heart knowledge. The difference is head knowledge makes you sound good, heart knowledge makes you be good. Anyone can sound good for a little while. But it takes a real change of heart to be good consistently. Right? Behavior modification won't do it. You can teach yourself all the right things, but deep in your heart, if you haven't had a heart change, you're going to revert back to the old way of doing things. Heart knowledge makes you be good. The word of God is in our minds, but it hasn't been committed to our hearts. The file is on the web. Right? I saw it somewhere on one of the pages I visited recently. I opened it the other day, I think, but I can't remember exactly where. Does that sound familiar? We've all searched for something online, and we saw that the information was there. It was right there on the page. I forget which page it was. 
and I didn't memorize it. And because I didn't download it, it wasn't saved on the hard drive. We have not clicked OK on the little pop-up that says, allow this program to change your computer. You're supposed to do that, otherwise it's not going to function. In plain English, the door of our heart has been closed. And we've become desensitized to the word of God and his spirit. And that one hit me hard. Like, God, is that me? Am I closed to your spirit? Am I closed to your word? Lord, forgive me. We can't allow ourselves to get there. We can hear the word and hear the word and hear the word and hear the word. And if it doesn't affect our lives, it helps us nothing. Right? The word of God helps us nothing if it's not mixed with faith. So how do we know if we've been infected by this closed heart issue? How can you tell that what you say you believe is not always what you actually believe? Let me say that again. How can you tell that what you say you believe is not always actually what you do believe? That's easy. What's the fruit in your life? Are you walking in love? Do you have joy? Let me back up. What does it mean to walk in love? Oh, it's all great. Everything's good. It's all happy and we're all getting along well. No. Sometimes walking in love means... Mm, Biting your tongue, sometimes more than you want to. Sometimes walking in love is doing something good for the person that you can't stand. Sometimes walking in love is just biting your tongue again because the nice thing didn't help. But it comes down to it, walking in love is praying for the person that you're hoping will change. Because we can't change our neighbors as much as we'd like to. That irritating coworker, that nagging spouse. I don't have one of those, but I hear that they exist. <laughs> She's going to listen later. I had to put that in there. What is walking in love? Treating others better than we think they deserve to be treated. Let that sink in a little bit. What was Jesus walking in love towards us? He treated us better than we deserve to be treated. Are we walking in love? Do we have joy? I hate this life. Everything's against me. You have Jesus? Then everything is for you. 
Do we have joy? Do people want to be around us because we have joy? You never want to be around a miserable person. Anyone in their right mind does not want to be around a miserable person. But everyone flocks to a joyful person. Right? We like joyful people. Is there peace in your home and in your heart? Are you winning the patience battle? Are you kind? Are you a good person? Are you gentle? Do you exhibit faithfulness and self-control? You recognize these as the fruit of the Spirit. Right? When Holy Spirit is in you, working on you when you allow him to, these are the things that show up in your life. Do you speak gossip? Do you gripe and complain about the things you have little or no control over? Or even over the things you do? Are you arrogant or humble? Is wisdom and the fear of God evident in your life? Does your conversation, your lifestyle, your habits, your actions match your confession? I talked about this a couple, guess a couple months ago now, where our prayer words do not match our conversation words. Our church confession, when we're around the saints, we have all the right words, is different than when we're actually dealing with life. What do you say when you're not paying attention to what you say? The first thing out of your mouth reveals what you actually believe. What's your opinion when it comes to popular topics of discussion? We had Ron's memorial service yesterday. And I noticed that everyone that got up to say something said pretty much exactly the same thing from family, friends, his online associates, other people that he was involved with, they said the same thing. There was one person represented there yesterday. There wasn't Ron on Sunday and Ron during the week. It was consistent. His fruit was consistent with his confession. Jesus said in Matthew 12 that we are justified or condemned by the words we speak. And he warns about idle words. Those idle words may well be the ones that don't match what's in our heart. You know, the fake ones. The ones that we try to tell, uh, convince others that we believe. They have no power. They're not full of faith. I believe that we'd be better off to be consistent with what's in our heart than to pretend for appearance sake. It's better to be wrong than to be double-minded. If you're wrong but teachable, you can be corrected and you can change. If you're double-minded, you don't even know where to start. 
You're lost when you, to begin with. The truth is skewed and you have no foundation to build on. Double-minded person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, according to James. So be wrong <laughs> or be right. But be true. And let Holy Spirit guide you and build you and change you. What do you believe? Believing is a choice. Jesus told the people in John 14, You believe in God, believe also in me. It's a choice. Do you think there was anyone in Jerusalem at the time Jesus was there that did not at least know about him? I would say probably not many. Right? For three years, he's teaching in the temple. He's walking through this city. He's doing good. He's healing people. He's stirring up a crowd wherever he went, stirring up the religious leaders everywhere he went. I would guess that the majority of the people knew at least about him. In fact, there were places where the news spread so fast, he could not even enter some of the towns that he wanted to go to. He had to stay in the countryside. And yet there were those who didn't believe. Now, when Jesus was crucified, there were two of those unbelievers, criminals, crucified with him. One on, the other, one on either side. We pick up Luke 23, verse 39 to 43. It says, One of them joined the chorus of the mockers and said, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Two men, both guilty, both from the same walk of life. Both had a Jesus encounter. One chose to mock, one chose to believe. It was a choice, it was a decision. He said, I've heard about you. Because he said, this man's done nothing wrong. He was, Jesus was punished unjustly. He was crucified unjustly. And this man recognized it and said, Jesus, I believe who you are. It was a choice that he made. It's a choice that we made. What do you believe? Sometimes we need to change what we believe. Right? We all believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died, he rose again, God exalted him. But sometimes it's the little things in life that we need to allow Holy Spirit to correct us on. Right? We have our convictions. Saul had conviction. Acts 22, verse 3, he says, 
I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. Under Gamaliel, I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. If there was a person with conviction, it was Saul. So much so that he traveled around the countryside with letters of permission from the high priest to arrest and persecute Christians. It was his life mission to abolish this thing called the way. He had conviction. He believed God. He believed in God. He believed that he was right. Acts 8, verse 1, At the stoning of Stephen, Saul was there giving approval to his death. Saul was a right fighter. He believed that these followers of the way were blaspheming the law of God. He believed that he was doing God a favor by getting rid of them. Because surely this can't be right. I've studied the law my whole life. He was convinced. Then he had a Jesus encounter. And he had to change what he believed. He chose to believe that the God that interrupted him on his journey was the God of the Bible that he always believed in. And his name was Jesus. He chose to believe. See, before he had conviction, but he didn't have the Holy Spirit. He didn't have the truth. Not the whole truth. He had the first part of the truth. And now he was introduced to the rest of the truth. Right? See, before we had the first covenant that God made with Abraham. When Jesus came, that covenant was complete and a new covenant was established. And Saul hadn't got that memo yet. He was still working under the old covenant. Now he met Jesus. He met the completion of that covenant and he recognized right away, yes, this is God. This is God. And he chose. He had a Jesus encounter. And he changed what he believed. Sometimes we need to allow Holy Spirit to change what we believe. We get convinced of certain things. And we need to go to the Word. We need to go to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to change us. I think sometimes... We get so, let me back up. There was this saying years ago that sometimes we get so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. I think that pendulum has swung to the other side now. We're so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. I think that's what we're often in danger of. Right? And we need to allow Holy Spirit to realign our thinking to line up with his thinking because we have the mind of Christ. We have the word of God. We have the will of God written out for us. And yet we have our convictions 
And sometimes our convictions don't allow us to fall back in line with what the Word says. We need to have that experience, that Jesus encounter where he says, this is what I said and this is what I meant. And this is where I want your heart to be. And we need to allow him to change what we believe. Either make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit will be corrupt. For you will know a tree by its fruit. And again, talking to the religious leaders, this is Matthew chapter 12. O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that goes back to Mark chapter 11. What's in your heart? What's in your heart is what you actually believe, and that's what's going to come out. Even though we know in our minds the right words are this, the right confession is this, but deep in my heart, I really have my opinions and my thoughts. Sometimes we need to repent and change our thoughts. We need to change what we believe. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I read the commentary, and he said, the way comes first. You cannot have the life of Jesus, the life that Jesus promised, without accepting his truth and without going his way. His way and his truth must precede the life that we expect. We cannot live victorious lives if we neglect the victor and the plan. We will not lead people to Jesus if we're bickering and complaining about life. Right? Change your words. Change your world. Unbelievers already know that there's problems in the world. They live it every day. They don't have the peace. They don't have the joy. They don't have the victory, the freedom. They don't need to hear more about that. They know there's problems in our economy. They know all these things. They know there's murders happening all over the place. They want to hear that there's life. And we have that hope. But Jesus, change my words. Father, as we go from here, let your Holy Spirit convict us that we would be so in love with your word, so in tune with your spirit, that every word that proceeds from our mouths is life, and that it would bring glory and honor to your name to build your kingdom, to promote your gospel, and to see lives change for the glory of God. As we speak, Father, 
Let it be the oracles of God. Let it be tearing down strongholds. Let it be rescuing the lost from the darkness. Let it be changing lives forever for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.